Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location where each week you'll hear a message designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others so that you can go and live a life driven by faith. One of the things we're promised when we start to follow Jesus is that we're going to have a new life. We're a new creation, the Bible says. But sometimes it can be hard to get a hold of that new life and feel like we're living it out day by day. In our current sermon series, we're talking through one specific chapter of the Bible, Colossians chapter 3. And this chapter answers two questions for us. First, it tells us what the new life we have in Christ should look like. And secondly, it tells us how we can obtain it. My heart's desire is that you would find and live out new life in Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll listen to these messages and I hope you enjoy them because I believe God has something he would like to say to you. As we begin, I want to read uh, for you the first 14 verses of Colossians chapter 3. Each week, we've been adding on verses as we work our way through this chapter. And this week, uh, last week, we stopped at verse 10, and this week, we'll read through verse 14. Let's read this together, see what God has to say to you. If then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. When I was a, a kid, there was a board game that we had. I grew up with two younger sisters, and there was a board game that we had that we played over and over again to the point that the pieces were broken and the cards were missing. Uh, you know how that goes. You have those games that you play over and over, and the board splits down the fold and all those sorts of things. This is one of those games for us. And the game was called Guess Who? Does anyone remember this game? Guess Who was you would flip up. You had like 30 faces that you would flip up, and then you'd draw a card, and you'd put it down in front of you, and you would try to guess who the other person had. And the way that you did it was you would ask questions about the person, and then you would eliminate uh, the people that didn't fit that category. And so, as you can see on the box, I don't even have to read it. That's Maria facing you with the green beret. I don't even have to read I know exactly who that is. And so you would have, uh, you would have the card in front of you, 
and uh, you would ask questions. And so if I was looking at that card and, and I was the kid sitting on the other side, I would say, does your person have a hat? And they would say, yes, my person has a hat. So I'd flip down all the people that didn't have hats, right? You understand how this works? And by process of elimination, I would discover that the person across from me had Maria. And hopefully I'd discover that before they discover who I am. There's something about this game as I get older and older that I don't think necessarily uh, is a good thing or sits right. And that is that you learn to eliminate people uh, and, and find people based on exclusively what they look like and what they wear. And there's something about that that just doesn't feel right anymore. In fact, I think you kind of learn as a kid, you start growing up with, with not liking maybe like certain groups of people because they were not the cards that you wanted in the game. There were only three people with beards. So if you picked a card of someone that had a beard, you were immediately upset. And maybe somewhere in my subconscious, you know, I just grew up with this thing against people that were bearded because of the game, right? Sorry, Scott, but you know how it goes. <laughs> and it feels like, you know, maybe there's something that, like, you know, is, is not right about the game because you shouldn't be judging people and figuring out who people are based on what they look like and their characteristics, and certainly in our world, we've, we've seen a shift where, where there was a time, and it was just a, a few years ago, not too long ago, where we said, we need to stop emphasizing our differences. We need to stop doing that, looking at people and categorizing them. And we need to emphasize that we're all the same. So we use terms like we need to be colorblind, and we, we got together and our celebrities saying we are the world, we are the children, and it was all about our, how we're all the same. And recently, there's been a bit of a correction to that, hasn't there, in our world, where our world is saying, listen, yeah, we are all people, but we ought not to lose our, our distinctive differences in, in the midst of all of that. So, so the things that make me unique, the fact that, as Justin said when he started the, survey, the service, that he grew up in a certain area, that he's from New Jersey, the things that make us unique, right, those are important too, and we ought not to discount all of those in this, in the, for unity. And among this whole conversation, there is, there is something happening that, that I think we ought to think about. And the whole conversation is around this idea. Who I understand myself to be and who I understand you to be is really important. That if I don't think through this and I don't, I don't, I don't take the time to actually consider who I am and what I bring to the table in different situations and who the other people are I'm encountering and what they bring to the table, that I'm going to miss something big. This is an important conversation. The reason it's important is because if I don't understand who I am, I don't understand who others are, how we treat one another will not be healthy or positive. This is the idea that's happening in our culture and in our world. I need to understand who I am and what I bring to the table. I need to understand who others are and what they bring to the table if we are going to be able to have good interaction. And you try to understand the other person. I need to understand what I bring. And if we can do that well, how we interact with one another will improve. That's the idea. In the passage that we just read in those last few verses... I think Paul says to us that there's something very right about that conversation. 
Paul says to us, I, I think maybe sometimes we come to the Bible and you expect me to say, oh, this is what our culture says, and then this is what the Bible says, and so don't listen to the culture, listen to the Bible. But in this case, if we take the broad questioning, the broad idea that I need to understand who I am and I need to understand who others are, if we are going to interact in, 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 with one another in a healthy way, Paul says to us, you're right, you're right. How you interact with one another is going to be largely determined in how you understand who you are and how you understand who other people are. And he, in these verses, gives us a very specific context. So this is what I want to do this morning. I just want to answer two questions. Who are we? Who are you? Who are the people around you right now? And then once we answer that question, we'll answer the question, then how are we supposed to relate with one another? How are we supposed to act? Paul is talking in a very specific context here, and that's important. In fact, he uses the word right at the beginning of verse 11. If you look back down at verse 11, if you have the English standard, which is what we are using on the screens and in, is the black Bibles in the chairs, Paul uses, starts with a very specific word. What's the first word of verse 11? Here, right? Here. What does here mean? Well, here means here. It means the church in Colossae, very specifically, uh, it means this, the church in this ancient city in southwest Turkey. Very specifically, Paul's talking about that group of gathering, but here also means here. Here within the body of Christ. So Paul is not commenting, commenting on out there, and I think that's important. I think it's important to recognize that at the beginning. Paul's not giving you here a framework through which to understand all of your interactions with everybody. But he is giving us a framework as to how we should understand our reactions here with brothers and sisters in Christ. Those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, Paul's saying there's a very specific answer to the question, who are you? And there's a very specific answer to the question, then how should we treat one another? But the fact that we're doing it within this context matters. So here, what does Paul say? He says here... There's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. And Paul says, when we get together with the gathering, with the fellowship, with the brothers and sisters in Christ, when we get together with the insider crew, there's two things that we have to remember. One, we have to remember that Christ is all. The reason we are gathering is Jesus Christ. In fact, even if we were to look around the room this morning, the only reason this group is gathering together is because of Jesus Christ. We'll have different events at the church, and this whole group won't gather because they'll, they'll more specifically be directed to different groups of people within the gathering. So we'll have a men's meeting, or we'll have a women's meeting, or we'll have a youth meeting. Or we'll have a Sunday night project activity that some of us get really excited about and others of you are like, I don't even understand what that is. But Paul's saying here in the larger gathering, the reason we're here, the reason we're gathering is because Christ is all. And if you look back at chapter 1, if you look back at chapter 1, verse 15, he makes it very clear that Christ is all. Chapter 1, verse 15, this is what Paul says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God 
the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in everything he might be preeminent." Paul said, listen, when you gather, you have to remember two things. One, you have to remember that you're gathering because of Jesus Christ. Before anything else. So we're not gathering together to gain helpful tips on how to live this week. We're not gathering together because this is where our friends are. We just want to see our friends this morning. We are gathered together because Christ is Lord and we are here to worship him. And that brings us together. Paul says, don't just understand that Christ is all. You also have to understand that Christ is in all. So if I call myself a follower of Jesus and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then Jesus Christ is our big identity piece. The fact that I'm a follower of Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus transcends any other thing that might divide us is what Paul is saying. So Christ is all, he's above all, and this person that is above all is in us as followers of Jesus, so that even though you and I might come from very different places and have very different backgrounds and very different feelings, the thing that unites us is the fact that Christ is in me and Christ is in you. Now what is Paul not saying here? Paul is saying that there is a transcendent idea that unifies all of us, and that is that Christ is all and is in all. What he's not saying is that the reality of Christ being transcendent in all should take away any and all individuality. I think that's important. Paul is saying that you are unified in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, we are connected. And I think I felt this strongly, most strongly in my life when I've done short-term missions projects around the world. When I meet someone and I meet a pastor of a church in Haiti or Honduras or maybe one of the places that I've been and I don't speak the same language as this person, if we went through our biographies, they would be completely different. But I know that this is my brother or sister in Christ and there is an immediate unifying aspect to that that transcends all of that other stuff. But what Paul is not saying here is Paul is not saying when you come into the community of believers, check anything that makes you unique or different at the door. And I think this is an important point for us to to understand. Because we might say, so Paul is saying then that there's something that binds us together that that is above race, Paul mentions. That's above socioeconomic status, Paul mentions. Elsewhere in the book of Galatians, Paul gives a similar list. He, he, answer, he asks, uh, uses gender. There's neither male nor female, he says, in the body of Christ. So is Paul saying that we should just get rid of all those categories and pretend like they don't exist? No, I don't believe Paul is saying that at all. Because Paul may say elsewhere there's no male or female in Christ, but if you were to read some of Paul's letters, Paul's very specific 
on what the differences are between a man and a woman and the unique roles that God calls them to. So he's not saying get rid of it all and throw it out the window. He's not saying leave it all at the door and pretend like it doesn't exist. But he is saying that in the body of Christ, when you and I gather, there is something that connects us together that transcends all of that. That it ought not to divide us. So if that's true then, if that's who we are, if who I am and who you are as followers of Jesus Christ is that, that Christ is the Christ who is above all and transcendent above it all, is in us, is in you, is in me, and that unifies us above anything in this world that might divide us, then how are we supposed to treat one another? It's the big question. And Paul answers it in the next few verses. Put on, then, he says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. You know what's interesting about those words? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. In the ancient Greek world to which Paul is writing, there isn't a single word for humility or meekness that has a positive connotation to it among the people. That is never a word they would use for themselves. We might in today's world say, oh, she's so humble. Isn't that wonderful how humble she is? But in the Greek world, the ancient Greek world, full of barbarians and military and power and might and strength, the word always had a negative connotation to it. But this is how Jesus loved, isn't it? Compassion, humility, meekness, showing love to those to whom no one else would show love. And Paul says in this world that they were living in where humility and meekness would be seen as a negative thing, as a bad thing, put this on. Carry this with you. Just like Jesus did. And he says, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. I don't know if you know about this, but no matter what church you go to, you're going to find a gathering of very imperfect people. Might be hard to believe, especially here in this room, I know. <laughs> but no matter where you go, no matter what church you gather in, people walk in and they, they say to themselves, well, these church people, they always talk about how perfect they are. And then we're shocked when we realize that it's just a bunch of sinners. But that's the whole book. That's the whole gospel. We are just a bunch of sinners trying to follow Jesus Christ. And Paul says, Jesus took all your sin upon himself on the cross, bore it all. You ought to be willing to bear with one another. Not to divide yourself and run away every time that there's conflict and every time that there's tension. But to bear with one another as Christ has bared with you. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And then at the very end, he, he has this last sort of phrase. And he says, above it all, Above it all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I think, I think the concept here is, is fairly simple, right? If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we should, we should be unified together. We shouldn't be divided based on other things that may divide us in this world. Doesn't mean they're not important, 
It doesn't mean the conversation around race is not important. It doesn't mean the conversation around socioeconomic status is not important. It doesn't mean they're not important. But it does mean that when we gather together as the body of Christ, there is a unifying component in Christ that's transcendent above those things. And that ought to impact how we treat one another. And the words that Paul uses here, the word that Paul uses is put on. It's like you'd put on clothing. Put on these things. And he uses a word, and I'm going to get very, I'm going to be a seminarian on you right here, okay? He uses a word that's in the present imperative, all right? Sorry about that, but that's true. So that means that Paul's saying, do it over and over and over and over and over again. He's not saying, put it on, put on these things once. Like, just get ready on Sunday morning, put them on one time, next week do whatever you want. Paul's saying over and over and over again, as you gather here, put these things on. So you bear with someone through something and you forgive someone and then you come together the next Sunday and someone else makes a comment that makes you upset. We'll bear with them again and forgive them again. Love them again. That's what Paul is calling us to. See, I think there's two things that many of us do that can stop us from participating in the unity that Paul calls us to in the body. At least two things. One is that we like to sit back and wait for someone else to do it first. We know what makes us unique. We know what makes us different. We can walk in the room and be like, I'm not like these people because of X. I'm not like those people because of Y. I'm my own person, and I'm not sure I fit in here. Even though Paul says, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and they're a follower of Jesus Christ, you fit. We know how we're unique and different. And so we can sit back and just say, I'll, I'll wait and see. I'll wait and see if these people will show me kindness and compassion and humility and meekness. I'll wait and see if they bear with me. I'll wait and see how forgiving they are. But Paul doesn't give you that option. Paul tells you to go first. Put it on. It's a directive over and over again. It reminds me of being on an airplane. And you know how when you're on an airplane and they always give you the same speech over and over again, one of the things they say is if the oxygen masks... Uh, falls from the ceiling, you should put it on over your head and pull the strap so that it tightens it. And even though the bag does not inflate, oxygen will be flowing to the mask. (laughs) But what do they tell you about if you're with your small child? Do yours first. Put yours on first. And then you will be empowered to help those around you do it as well. I think Paul's telling us something similar. Don't sit there and wait Don't sit there and wait for everyone else to do it and then help you. Go first. Put these things on and then love others over and over again and you'll help them to put this on as well. I think that's one way that we don't do this. We hold ourselves from doing this. We, we sit back and we wait for someone else to go first. But there's another way that we, that we do this that I think is, is no good. And that is we try to fix this without ever examining our own heart. We try to fix it externally without, fixing, without doing the hard work of what's going on internally in our hearts. So I'll give you an example. 
I was reading an article this week about the Assemblies of God, of which we are a part here at Mount Hope. And uh, there was a researcher from Rice University, and he was commenting on this current state of the Assemblies of God and diversity within the denomination. And he said something that was both good and troubling at the same time. He said that the Assemblies of God fellowship or denomination is one of the most diverse on the planet. So in the U.S., 60% of the adherents are white, but 40% are not. And that's actually a very diverse group compared to other denominations. But he said, hardly any congregations are, are diverse themselves. So while you have diversity within the movement, you have very little diversity on Sunday morning. And so at the same time, it's a, it's a positive comment, but at the same time, we have, to, we have to ask ourselves, why is that? And so there might be within us a desire to try and, and, and fix that. And I would ask you this morning to think about this, because we at Mount Hope here, we celebrate our diversity many times. So we say every October during our global outreach celebration, if you've been with us, hey, we have, it used to be 30, and now we have over 40 nations represented within our congregation between Belmont and Burlington. That's an awesome thing. And even in the room, this is not a massive group. There are multiple countries represented in this room, people born in other countries, and now we're here together uh, in this place. But I think we have to do the hard work of, of, of not just saying, hey, I'm a part of a diverse church, I have to do the hard work of asking myself then the next question. When I'm at that church, with whom am I interacting? So when we walk into the fellowship hall after church, is that also a diverse place or a segregated place? I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I think we have to ask ourselves the question. Because we could very easily say to ourselves, hey, we solved it. We solved it. We created a diverse group of people. We created a diverse congregation, and we're moving in that direction. And it isn't that great. Without actually doing the hard work of looking at ourselves and asking ourselves, hey, when I see people, though, on Sunday mornings, do I say to myself, well, I'm not like that person, so I'll just pass them in the hallway downstairs, or I'm not like that person, so I won't sit at their table during the fellowship time, Uh, I'll sit with the people that I'm like, or do I say, I don't really know that person, but they follow Christ, and I follow Jesus Christ, so we have everything that we need in common. That's a hard question. I don't want us to go in the fellowship hall after church and, and have a table with six chairs and have you trying to grab all six different people together and looking around the room and be like, we need a middle-class person you know, to get us at our table. I don't want us to do that. But we ought to deal with this in our own hearts. What, what do we bring into the group where we are saying we're so different that we can't interact? And Paul's saying, no, no, no. What you have in common through Christ is all that you need to show compassion and humility and meekness and forgiving and love. I think if we were going to break it down into a simple statement, I think this is what Paul's saying to you and to me. Since Jesus is all, and since Jesus is in all, here in the gathering, here in the gathering, we love each other 
just as Jesus loved. Since Jesus is all and since Jesus is in all, here we love each other the way Jesus loved. Put these things on, Paul says. There's a story that the evangelist Ravi Zacharias uses that I think is helpful here. And it's the story of what happened in former Yugoslavia where a lot of damage was done in the name of the church. We know that can happen. People that say they follow Jesus can do a lot of harm and a lot of damage. And so uh, this, there was one small community where an evangelist, an evangelist walked in and he met an old gentleman named Simmerman. And he said to him, he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. And the old man, he said to him, well, get out of here. I want nothing to do with them. He said, my family has suffered so much. They wear their crosses. They wear their, their vestments. Everything is all pomp and circumstance. But they did so much harm and damage to my family. I want you to go. Get out of here. I want nothing to do with Jesus. And the evangelist said to him, he said, let me ask you a question. If someone stole your jacket and used it to rob a bank, and the police saw the robber on videotape and saw the jacket, and they showed up at your house and they arrested you because you robbed the bank, what would you tell them? And he would say, I'd tell them it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was just someone wearing my jacket. And the evangelist said back to him, this elderly gentleman, well, what if these folks were just wearing a stolen jacket of Jesus Christ? What if that's not Jesus? It's just someone pretending to wear his clothes. The old man was so angry, he kicked him out. This evangelist kept coming back to the same village, to the same elderly gentleman, over and over again. One time when they met this elderly gentleman, Simmerman, he said to him, he said, all right, how do I follow Jesus with my life? And the evangelist said, well, what's changed? And the elderly, elderly gentleman said to him, you wear his coat well. And so I'd ask you this morning, Are you wearing the coat of Jesus well? When you come into the gathering, come in kind, meek, humble, compassionate, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Or do you come in and you say to yourself, these people better be kind and compassionate to me. They better bear with me. They better forgive me. Well, you need to go first. When you come into the gathering, do you see people the way Jesus saw them? Do you see people as your brother and sister in Christ before you see them in any other way? And even though they're very different than you, are you able to engage and interact and love, simply say hello to each other, invite people to sit together because we have Christ in common? I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward and just give you one last thought. You know, a lot of times in the church, it, we're so good at letting everyone know what we're against. 
We excel. Everyone knows what we're against. But Paul in this chapter, he tells us not just enough to get rid of bad behavior in your life. We did that a couple weeks ago. Put to death sin in your life, Paul said. It's not just enough to, to get rid of the bad behavior and to be against those things. There's something about following Jesus where now what we once did is replaced with something new. And sometimes we're so good at telling everyone what's wrong and knowing what's wrong and knowing what's right that we actually stop short in our development of then going the next step and putting on what we should be wearing instead of those things. We shed the old thing and then we look back and we say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Well, what should we do then? And we need to move forward. What would happen? What would happen in a world longing for unity and understanding and ultimate love and compassion if they walked into churches and found it there? What would that do for the gospel in our world? How would that impact your neighbors and your friends as they long for this and they seek it and they try to find it? If they walked into church and they experienced it there, Christ is in all, or Christ is all and is in all. So here, we love each other just as Jesus loved. God, I thank you for how you bind us together. Lord, would you remind us that that even though we have these important pieces in our life, nothing is more important than the fact that we are followers of you. And God, I pray for for Mount Hope, specifically here in Belmont, in this community. God, that you would bind us together, that we would be able to love each other the way you call us to love, that we would treat one another with compassion and meekness and humility and bear with each other and forgive each other, all for your glory, and that your gospel might go forward. Lord, some of us sit around and we just wait for the other person to go first. Lord, help us all to be leaders in this, participants in putting on what you call us to put on. God, some of us still have a hard time seeing what makes us, what unifies us, and all we see is what divides us. God, with the knowledge of who you are and the unifying work you've done through your Son, fill our hearts and our minds pray it in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mthopebelmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.